Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome to our service today. I would like to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me in Psalm 23. We are going to go to the very famous and classic Psalm of David, and we're going to talk about it today. So let's go to Psalm chapter, uh, or actually Psalm 23, and we're going to begin today in verse 1, and we're going to receive our tithes and offerings first. And I want us to take a look at verse 1, which is very powerful concerning the financial blessings of God upon our life. Let's take a look at it right now. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Now let's stop there just for a moment. Notice that David personalizes his experience with God, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. You have to identify the Lord as being your Lord, your shepherd. And when it says the Lord is my shepherd, in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Roe. So in the Old Testament, there are eight compound names of God. That's because God's so awesome, and God's so good, and he's so great that it, uh, his name really can't be just boiled down to one name. So you have different variations of God's name. And we have Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord God is our banner. Now, in uh, ancient days, whenever there was a battle, you had one uh, army on one side. You had the opposing army on the other side. They would always fly their insignia as flags, and you could see their flags. And so that's what it means as a banner. You could also say, uh, when it says, the Lord is my banner, you could also call it loosely, the Lord is our victory, because it would be a victory banner. So you have Jehovah Nissi, you have Jehovah Roe, as we're studying today, who is the Lord, who is our shepherd. You have Jehovah Rapha, and that, main, that name means the Lord God who is your healer. You have Jehovah uh, Shama, it means the Lord is there. And the Lord's always in our midst when we gather together. And the Lord also sees your life. He sees all of your events. He sees everything that unfolds every day, every second of the day. So the Lord is there in your life. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's also Jehovah Tisidkanu. And that means the Lord God who is our righteousness. And as we know, we have no righteousness in our own self. But we have the righteousness of Christ. And so we thank God that we are partakers of his righteousness. Therefore, we are accepted in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. So there's Jehovah Tzidkenu. Now, there's also Jehovah Makadesh. And this is the Lord God who sanctifies you or who sets you apart. And as a child of God, you're different. And you don't even have to say anything. You don't have to uh, do anything unusual. It's just that you are. You're, you're a believer. You're, you're washed with the blood of Christ. You're a new creation in the earth, and uh, you stick out. When you're walking with the Lord and the life of God is flowing in your life, there is a uh, set-apart uh, area of your life, and you have to just realize that. You're not always going to fit in. Not everybody's going to perhaps want you to hang around with them because uh, of that sanctification. And at the same time, you'll find that many others do want you to hang around because of that, because of the life and the grace that's upon your life. They're curious. Even if they're not believers, they're curious, and they want to know more. They like the life that's in you, particularly when they realize their own darkness. Now, let's move on. We also have Jehovah Jireh. And that means the Lord God whose provision for you shall be seen. And one of my favorites, we have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God who is our peace. 
But today we're talking about Jehovah Roi, sometimes also translated as Jehovah Ra, but uh, most translators like to go with Jehovah Roi, and it means the Lord God who is our shepherd. Now David himself who wrote this is a shepherd or was a shepherd. Now as the king of Israel, most people believe that he wrote this later in his life, looking back uh, with, uh, you know, kind of like reminiscing about the wonderful experiences he had and how God molded him and brought him up into the position that he is now as being a shepherd over God's people. And in the Middle East, back in those ancient days, rulers looked at themselves as being shepherds as being caretakers of the people that they ruled over. It's also fascinating because uh, the shepherd role itself, though, was looked down upon because it was a role that was dirty. It was a role that involved you being outside, getting muddy, and uh, sleeping outside at night. And so nobody really wanted the job as a shepherd it, it would, uh, if you had uh, multiple children, uh, normally the job of the shepherding would be relegated to the youngest child. Uh, and you're thinking of a David, right? Because all of his brothers above him, they weren't out there shepherding. Uh, he was the one doing that. He was the runt of the family, uh, the black sheep, I guess you could call him. And uh, he was really looked down upon by his father. So you also see other hints of that in Scripture that it was a dysfunctional family setting there in the household of Jesse. But nevertheless, when we follow the Lord, uh, the Lord can lift you up uh, regardless of where you might be. And, uh, you know, it's hard to find uh, functional families. We have so many dysfunctional families. Uh, you got to look a little bit carefully to try to find those what we would call normal. Sometimes you think it's normal and you start peeking around a little bit. You're like, uh, that's not quite as normal as I thought. But nevertheless, uh, although there's not that many ideal situations in life of how we can be raised, we thank God for our parents because God gave us our parents and we make the best of all situations and uh, you'll always have some good in that. And you just grow up in the Lord. And even if you're a shepherd, God can do something great in your life. Even if you're uh, at the bottom of the rung, so to speak, God can do something tremendous in your life when you look at him and you yield your life to him. Praise the Lord. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes on to say, I shall not want. Now, you will see through the rest of this psalm today that God provides that as a good shepherd, he will take care of you. And, and in the new covenant, the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And you and I, we're sheep in God's great pasture. And he is our, he is our shepherd. And one of the things about a good shepherd is that he wants to provide and take care of the sheep that are under his coverage. And to say that I shall not want is an amazing statement. And throughout the rest of these verses of this psalm, you'll see that God provides over and over and over again. But I want you to first let that get down into your spirit that with God as your shepherd, with Jehovah Roi as as your king in life, as a shepherd king, you have to understand that God will provide for you. And it says, I shall not want. Now, that means in the Hebrew, I shall not lack any good thing or anything that I need pertaining to uh, my life that uh, that I need in my life. It will be provided for. 
You know, back in the old days, maybe you could get by without a car. Uh, but pretty much today, if you're going to live in the modern world and you're going to endeavor to be successful, you you just about have to have a car. So if you need a car, God will make sure that you have a car. Now, I'm not saying he's going to give you a Rolls Royce, but I'm saying he will help you get into a car. He will always provide for you. And God will uh, lift you up, he'll lift you up, and he'll bless you. But you must always look for his provision, and you must always be thankful for his provision. You know, one of the best things to do is that when the Lord blesses you, and He, as you see him providing for you, of course, you want to thank him for it. You want to say, Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for this car. Lord, thank you for this house, or thank you for this clean apartment, or whatever your situation might be. Lord, thank you for this great job that you've blessed me with. And you want to endeavor to uh, express your thanksgiving and your appreciation to the Lord. And you also want to do other things that will let him know that, Hey, you're really happy about it. I think one of the best things that we can do in regards to that is when we see God blessing us is to take care of what he gives us. In other words, if, if you needed a car and you see God working in your life and you got, uh, you, got, you got blessed by the Lord, maybe a relative bought you a vehicle or maybe that you've worked on your credit score because you've got a good, good job and things are rising, you went and financed a car, no matter whatever the situation is, you realize that God has now blessed you with a good car. You know, one of the best things that you can do to show your appreciation to the Lord for that car is take good care of that car. If you take good care of it, it really expresses to your Heavenly Father that you are thankful for what He gave you. Well, Pastor Stephen, it's not what I want it, though. Well, you know, it's, it's not the last car you're ever going to have. There will be other vehicles that, that I'm sure that you will move into. But whatever you have right now, whatever God has provided for you to have right now, you need to be thankful, even if it's not the end uh, result of where you would like to be. You need to praise him and thank him for what he has done. Now, let him know that you're appreciative of it. And, and also, take good care of it. In other words, if God blessed you with that car, you, you make sure that it's clean and, and that uh, the interior is well kept. And you try to wash the exterior and have it, have it looking presentable because you want to show the Lord that you're thankful. And doing those little things like that means a lot to the shepherd, because the shepherd likes to know that, hey, we appreciate the good care. It means a lot to us. So we are in a place of having a good shepherd who supplies our needs, and we shall not have lack. Now, something fascinating about the Lord when he reveals his name to us, and here we see uh, the Lord, and the Lord, uh, the word Yahweh, sometimes also translated as Jehovah, the Lord is my shepherd. So we have the name Jehovah Roe here, and you have to understand this is God revealing his name, and when he reveals uh, one of these great names of himself, whether it's Jehovah Roe or Jehovah Shammah, uh, you're, you're realizing a new character and dimension of who God is, and you can worship that aspect of God. Now, you can worship God, but you can also worship the aspects and dimensions of his character. In other words, you could say, Lord Jesus, I worship you as my shepherd. Now, we're going to receive the tithes and offerings in just a moment, but you have to understand that David was a tither. He's living under the law. David did a lot of things that, uh, how can I say, he got away with, but he got, he got away with it because he understood grace. So he was a he was a person who was a type and shadow of the coming Christ. And 
uh, in essence, also, it's not like there are certain things you get away with. It's just that God had mercy and covered David in certain areas because David saw the purpose of the law, but he realized there was something greater coming, and he touched that by faith. And when he did that, he also touched the grace of God. And so uh, there were certain uh, instances in David's life where the penalty should have been death, but he, he did not die. He was not stoned. He found the grace of God. So uh, I want you to understand, though, that David was a tither because technically he is under the law. And David walked upright before the Lord and all the commandments of the Lord. So he would have been tithing. And he was also a very, very generous giver. When you look carefully at the scriptures, you will find out. It might be surprising, but you will find out that David was what we would call today a multi-billionaire. He had that type of wealth. And he was a tremendous contributor, of course, to the primary assignment of his life, which was getting things ready for the building of the temple, which his son Solomon built. So his son built it, but David was the primary uh, benefactor contributing to that uh, tremendous facility that was built and became famous throughout all of the earth. So David was a tither, David was a giver, and David was also a worshiper. And David, as, as a former shepherd boy now as the king of Israel, had a special understanding of the of, uh, Jehovah Roi, had a special understanding that the Lord is a shepherd, and Lord, I worship you as the great shepherd. Lord, you're my shepherd. And you know what? It's good to have that freedom as a worshiper where you're a tither, you're a giver, and you're also a worshiper, and you put all that together, and you're not going to have lack in your life. You know, it says in Psalm 34 that those who fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And the word fear in the Hebrew means to reverence and to worship with a great awe and respect. And so when you worship the Lord, you will not lack any good thing. It also says in Psalm 34 that even the young lions can suffer and lack. But those who fear the Lord, those who worship the Lord, will not lack any good thing. So when you're a tither, when you are a giver, when you are a worshiper, I'll tell you what, you'll see lack, you'll see shortage just absolutely vanish and disappear out of your life. So work the word, work the principles of God's word. Hallelujah. And you'll see your financial picture get more beautiful and more beautiful. And you'll see the provision of God become uh, more gracious and more gracious as you receive it. As you thank him for it, as you show him your appreciation, surely God's best will continue the rest upon your life. Now, as you bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse, if you would like to mail them in, you can send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28117. If you would like to bring them in online through secure credit card transaction, and uh, you could go anytime, 24 hours uh, of the day, 365 days of the year. You can go online, stephenbrooks.org or stephenbrooksinternational.com. And there's a link on the left called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go right now and bring in your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord so that the house of God, the work of God, might continue broadcasting the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the earth day and night, around the world, 24 hours a day. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people's finances as they honor you, as they bring in the tithe, as they give offerings, as they worship. I thank you, O oh God, that they will not lack any good thing. I thank you that they are blessed. 
And I just thank you, Father. I join with them and I say, oh, God, that you are the Lord God who is our shepherd and we shall not want. Now I speak that over the life of your people, that you are their shepherd and they shall not want. They shall not lack any good thing. Now agree with the word of God and agree with me and let's say yes and amen. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to continue on uh, with our primary message today being Psalm 23. And as we continue on, of course, you'll just continue to see this tremendous uh, care uh, being provided by the great shepherd. You'll see the provision just continues to flow into every facet and dimension of a, a person's life. And we're, we're all like sheep before the Lord. It's, it's amazing about sheep because... Uh, sheep can uh, sometimes have good days, and then sheep sometimes can have days that are a little more difficult, and sheep can have challenges, Ch sheep can have problems, sheep can get themselves into trouble, they can wander off and uh, uh, eat poisonous weeds, they can um, ramble over into thickets and briars and uh, think they can nibble on the grass, and before they know it, they've gotten themselves uh, lodged into those thorns, now they can't get out, and now they're stuck, and so the only way they can get out is with the good shepherd, and so you'll see that the shepherd has a lot of work to do to take care of the sheep. And, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is our great shepherd. And at the same time, he has given the, the shepherding ministry into the body of Christ. You have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and and teacher. But pastor, every other time it's mentioned in the New Testament, is referred to as the shepherd. So it's very important to understand the role of the shepherd. And by the way, my wife and I, we pray for you and our ministry uh, leadership team. We pray for you uh, that are online church members and that are ministry partners, and we lift you up before the Lord. And you know what? When we get your prayer requests, we don't just like uh, get those and just uh, throw them away. We actually get them and we pray over them. And uh, we bring them before the Lord and we, we receive your tithes and offerings. We receive your prayer request as being holy before the Lord. And I tell you what, as, as online shepherds, it, it keeps us busy. We get a lot of emails and a lot of the emails are not simple emails. They're not just like, you know, like, you know, please pray for uh, my, my work. I just got a raise. No, they're not always uh, stuff like that. There are a lot of times things that are very difficult and uh, everything under the sun just about. You know, this past week I've had emails from everything from uh, Pastor Stephen. When I was a child, I saw my mother commit suicide in front of me. And although now I'm a grown adult, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with the trauma from that. And for you, we, we run the whole spectrum from 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 uh, emotional uh, wounds to uh, physical problems to financial problems to marital problems and we receive these emails we pray and we respond back and it keeps us busy because I believe any good shepherd you, you have a lot to do because sheep need help and you just can't let them uh, go off on their own if they go off on their own they're going to get sick they will not be adequately uh, taken care of and they'll get themselves in trouble and they won't know what to do so uh, shepherds are a great blessing in the body of Christ and we want to study today primarily about the good shepherd and his role in our life again verse 1 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. There's something very, very nice about the Lord Jesus is that he recognizes when we need rest. And so it, he sees that if we need it, he will make us lie down because sometimes we don't have enough sense to know when to stop. We would just keep going uh, on and on and on. But the Lord is very nice because as the great shepherd, he knows what's best 
for you and I. He's not a cruel taskmaster who's just trying to uh, drive us into the ground, trying to get us to wreck our bodies, trying to get us uh, to break down and get sick. He, he's not like that. But of course, uh, the devil is. The Lord knows when you're tired and you need to take a break, and he'll help lead you into that place of rest where there's green pastures. But the devil, he's a very mean person, and he'll never give you a break. He'll try to drive you crazy all the time. But see, in Psalm 127, verse 2, thank goodness, the Word of God says that he gives his beloved sleep. So we have that, that precious sleep and that good rest to restore our bodies. Our bodies are not um, superhuman. We're not bionic. Um, we're, we don't yet have a glorified body. I know you could say amen to that. Now, if you're young and you're feeling great and you're in your 20s, that's wonderful. But believe it or not, believe it or not, one day you'll notice that your body does begin to age. And there's, uh, you, you realize I, 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 I'm not quite as uh, charged up as I used to be when I was 18 years old. And so you, you see, sometimes you need that rest. When you need that rest, the Lord, he'll help you to have the, the sleep that you need. Psalm 127 verse 2 says that he gives his beloved sleep. Now, on the other hand, Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, uh, there's no rest, there is no peace for the wicked. And it, it is interesting, you know, when you read the testimonies many times about former witch doctors who've come out of occultism and Satanism, and now they have come over into uh, a salvation experience through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God pulled them out of that gross darkness. Now they're in the kingdom of his dear son. It's fascinating when you hear their testimonies because uh, they'll tell the same story over and over and over again. They were all under a very cruel taskmaster, and the devil was relentless. He drove them day and night. And, you know, a lot of times if you, if you see those people that are into occultism, they have almost like a zombie-like look. And you look at them, uh, you look at their eyes, and it looks like, uh, nobody's home. Well, somebody's home, uh, but the owner's not home. He's, he's kind of been subdued and shut down, and somebody else is in the house who's not supposed to be there. But they can look like um, they're just absolutely burned out and wore out. That's because with those people who get far, far into the occult, uh, for them to operate in those occult powers, the enemy demands uh, very strict obedience and loyalty. And a lot of that is required during the nighttime hour. So during the daytime, they're not allowed to sleep. During the nighttime, they're kept up almost all night long, uh, dabbling in all their uh, dark practices. And they're just, they're just physically wore out. Why? Because they're serving a very bad master. But you know what? I thank God that the Lord gives us the sleep so that we can be happy. You know what? If you don't get sleep, you get irritable. You get run down. Your body can get sick. So God cares about you. And as the good shepherd... Uh, he will make you lie down at times when he sees it's necessary in green pastures on a nice uh, posturepedic mattress. Can you say yes? So you'll see the care of the good shepherd for your life all throughout this psalm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, again, it says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep. They're very interesting. They do not lie down easily. There have to be four primary conditions met in order for sheep to lie down, very relaxed, very calm, and just enjoy their life. If these four conditions aren't met, 
They cannot lie down. Now, the first thing is that if sheep are afraid, something's got them in terror. They saw a wolf. Uh, they can smell a cougar. If they are in terror, they will not lie down. Secondly, sheep are very much social animals. They, they, they're, they're like a big family. Okay, So if there's friction, if there's tension between the uncle and the nephew, uh, they're, they're not going to lie down. If there's tension between uh, mama and the son, they're not going to lie down because they're all a big family social unit. And it, when there's that, that friction like that, uh, they won't. They won't lie down. They can feel that very uh, with a very high uh, level of uh, sensitivity. Now, thirdly, sheep will not lie down if they are being harassed and tormented by flies and uh, stinging gnats and other types also of parasites that can attack them. If they are being harassed by that, particularly by the flies, they have no peace. They can't lie down. You can't expect them to lie down when they're in torment like that. They won't do it. We'll talk about how they get relief here in a moment, how the shepherd comes in to relieve them of that. And fourth, the fourth condition they must have is they must have food. If they don't have food or they're not sure if they're going to get food, somehow they sense that uh, we ain't got no more food. There's no more grass. <laughs> they get very, very nervous. And when they get nervous, guess what? They can't lie down. So in order for sheep to lie down, see it says he makes me to lie down. In order for the sheep to lie down, those four conditions must be met. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me beside the still waters. The waters even have to be right. Sheep can be very picky. They're very particular. They kind of remind me of cats. Cats like certain things a certain way. If a cat doesn't like its food, it won't eat it. I mean, that cat's going to starve before he eats that food if he doesn't like it. If he doesn't like it, he'll just starve. So they'll, they'll let the owner know, I don't like my food. You can see it hasn't been touched. Well, certain uh, animals, are, they're, they're like that. So sheep are like that. If, if the brook is too loud, if it's, if it's babbling and rambling like a river, they don't want that. It has to be very, very smooth, very, very calm waters, or else they're not going to want to drink it. He leads me beside the still waters. They want it tranquil. They, they want it their way. It's got to be real, real calm. And, of course, those waters have to be clean. If they're not clean, you can do damage to the sheep because they're going to they're force themselves to drink it, even if it's nasty. But if it's all, uh, if the water's dirty, and there's leaves and vegetation floating in it, and the water's brown, and you've got mosquitoes breeding all on the water. They're, they're going to ingest germs, they're going to ingest parasites, and they're going to get sick. So as a shepherd, you're going to have sheep that are sick, and you don't want that. So not only does the water have to be very calm, the water has to be very, very clean. And guess whose responsibility it is for that? It's the shepherd's responsibility. So your shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to lead you by his Spirit, where you're supposed to be, where you can be nourished, where you can be taken care of. He's going to make sure that the water is good for you and that the water is fitting for you. Now, verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know what? That's something that only the Lord can do because we all can have experiences in, in life. I'm not talking about maybe you, you were in a car wreck and you saw tragic things and you saw uh, awful things, you saw decapitations or, your, or, your, uh, or things like that. But regardless of whatever your situation, the Lord can restore your soul. You know, a lot of our military vets, 
they're they're in trauma because of what they saw. And, you know, it was only about 100 years ago at the turn of the century uh, going into World War One, where, you know, our, our armies were not that yet developed and even to a point where war was kind of like glamorized you know uh uh my wife and i were talking about a, a civil war reenactment that was carried out in our uh, area uh recently and you could watch uh a reenactment of the north fighting the south and uh and so forth but you know a lot of those men also in the civil war going to that uh they were marching in the war carrying the flag and singing songs and they didn't really have a clue what the world they were marching into and and suddenly you see an arm blown off. You see a leg blown off. You see your best friend get shot and get killed. or And maybe it happened in a horrific way. And, and also, uh, same thing with World War One and World War Two, And even the modern worst wars today. There's not a lot that can be done to prepare you for things like that. When you see the atrocities of war, it can leave your soul. It can leave your psyche scarred. And you can have nightmares. You can, you can be tormented. And you're, you're looking for deliverance. Uh, and it's not so much physical deliverance, although your body could be wounded for that, but it, it's also the mental agony of having experienced and saw and heard those sights and those sounds. But there is one person that I know who can fi- who can fix that. Well, we don't have to get you drugged up and have you lived in a space cadet life for the rest of your life because you're on such thick, heavy drugs to try to offset that. No, Jehovah Roe, the Lord God, who is the great shepherd, can bring healing to your soul and restore it, even if, it's been, even if it's been fractured and shattered. Look, I know somebody who can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, and uh, all the king's horsemen and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I can tell you who can put him back together again. Jesus can. And so today, if you have trauma in your soul, you feel, you feel something was broke, something was deeply wounded, or uh, something just really knock the life out of you, the Lord Jesus Christ can come and restore and bring his life to you and make you whole again. And you know what? I'm not saying he's going to take that memory away, but I'm saying that you you might in your mind still be able to see that, but it's just like something now has healed it. You're no longer terrified. You're no longer traumatized. Where there was uh, perhaps something like a rape or molestation or something awful. But uh, it's not so much that the, perhaps the memory is gone as it, is, it just doesn't hurt you. It doesn't sting. It doesn't burn. It doesn't torment anymore. And that look, that's something that only God can do. Get inside of you like that. That's something that only God can do and heal the mind. You know, my daughter asked me the other day, she said, Daddy, she said, what does the Bible teach and what do you think about hypnotism? I said, hypnotism is not of God. I said, you, I said, first of all, most of the people that are practicing hypnotism, they're not believers. They're unsaved people. And the last thing you want is somebody unsaved, spiritually dead, going inside of your mind and tinkering with your mind. And I tell you what, any Christians that are messing around with it, I think is very, very dangerous. I've never seen a spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer ever mess with hypnotism or practice that on somebody. The only person I've seen ever do hypnotism that was a Christian would be somebody who was very, very young in their walk with the Lord, uh, even if they had one, but they were not serious about their walk with God because you walk close to the Lord. He's going to lead you away from that. And I, 
I've seen people on the uh, hypnotism before do uh, uh, that were made to do all kinds of stupid, degrading things, and I've never, ever seen hypnotism in any form or fashion ever glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So concerning hypnotism, my rule on that is don't let anybody mess with your mind. Don't let anybody get in there. Don't don't leave the house open. That's what hypnotism is. It's basically like get out of the way, step out of the way, you go to sleep while we come in here and do what we want. Don't ever, ever do that. Now, the Lord Jesus, he could come in there and clean and heal and do wonderful things. You want to have the mind of Christ, but don't ever yield your mind to occult powers or many of these uh, New Age forms of uh, bad science, I would call it. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about the mind. You have to guard and protect your mind. Don't let people mess with it. It's one of the most sacred possessions that God has given you. Don't ever take drugs. Um, don't do anything that would harm or affect your mind in a negative way. As uh, myself, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, I don't, I'm on no drugs or anything like that. Uh, no, no prescription drugs because I thank God for a clear mind. And I don't want anything in my body making me do things that I don't want to do. Praise God. So if you're in any condition where you need your soul restored, your mind, your, psycho, your psychological element of who you are, the Lord can come in and heal you. He can heal your emotions. He can heal your mental area, uh, brain problems. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, your shepherd today. and Let him do the surgery and the work that he can only do himself. Praise God. Now, let us continue on. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He knows where the enemy is at. He'll lead you away from it. Husbands, listen to your wives. If your wife says, hey, watch out for her. I think she's got her eye on you. Husbands, Listen to your wives, because women, they operate on a different frequency. They can pick up uh, wavelengths and, and, and signals that many times that, uh, us guys were not really keen to. So when your wife says, hey, I, I came to visit you at work, and I, I noticed while I was at your work that that, that co-employee over there, she seems to kind of have her eye on you, so uh, be on your toes concerning that, oh, no, that's no problem there, no, we're good friends. Uh, yes, and that person wants it to be a lot more than a friendship. So, uh, husbands, listen to your wives. The Lord gave them to you, and all wives also, you listen to your husbands. Remember, we're joint heirs in Christ. So when you're married, the husband is the head. That's what Christ said, just as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the family and the head of the marriage. But you have to understand also, you're, you're both contributing and it, it, uh, husbands, listen to your wives. They are your joint heir with them. That means they bring a lot to the table, okay? And, and so wives, listen to your husbands. Husbands, listen to your wives. Everybody's contributing. Everybody has something good to bring to the table. And if you're not, if you're not tuning in, you're not listening to your spouse, uh, watch out. You might end up on a road that could lead you somewhere that you could end up being very, very unhappy about because God will work and speak through your godly spouse. Now, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, the valley of the shadow of death is here. It's on this planet. I'm not talking about Hades or hell or somewhere like that. There is, there is a place uh, that exists of torment 
and uh, uh, eternal sorrow and misery. And the bad thing about hell is that that's not the end of the road. That, that is a temporary holding place until the day of judgment. And at the day of judgment, those who are spiritually dead will now be cast into the lake of fire. So it's like going from the frying pan to the fire. It's going to go from the bad to the worse. So we have to understand that. So here, though, in the earth is the valley of the shadow of death, because in the earth we have death. People die. People pass, pass on. And so we see death. We see suffering. Death was never uh, something that was originally part of the plan of God. Death is actually an enemy. And there will come a day when death will actually be destroyed. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, I think that's a tremendous uh, uh, something to take hold of. A promise to take hold of from the word of God. I will fear no evil. Well, Pastor Stephen, there's so many bad things going on. Yes, that's because we live in, the, in this world. We live in the shadow of death. But you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You know, if, if you're living in, in, in places such as Iran or Iraq, uh, particularly in Iraq where you have uh, uh, places where ISIS are invading and, and they're coming in and they're really not taking any uh, prisoners captive. In other words, if you're not going to convert on the spot to Islam, they're just going to go ahead and execute you. So uh, the, the thing is, regardless of where you're at, whether you're in a place like that of tremendous tension, or you're on the outskirts of Nigeria in the territory where Boko Haram is making raids, or you're in some hot places of China where the government is still cracking down with a hot and heavy hand because they don't uh, they have no tolerance for Christianity, wherever you might be, whatever your situation might be, or whether you're here in America, where we have enough problems of our own, glory to Jesus, where we need to see uh, God do a great revival in our nation with all types of uh, difficult and awful things happening here in our own uh, precious country. But wherever you're at, the Bible gives you a promise. You can walk through this world and fear no Evil. God does never, ever want you to be in fear because fear, the, the scripture says, has torment. Nobody wants to be tormented. One of the most awful things is to live a life of torment. Well, fear has torment. So it is never God's will for you to be in fear. If you're in fear, you are out of the will of God. And you need to let the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the church, minister to you and begin to lift that fear off of you because he does not want you to live in that. You know, as a shepherd, if you had a flock of sheep, you would feel very grieved in your heart if you saw them traumatized with fear. You, you would be thinking, what can I do to get that fear off of them? I don't want them carrying that. And so it's the same way with the Lord Jesus. He has given you a promise of life and protection and of godliness and of blessing, and he does not want you ever to be in fear. Now say, I receive that. Say, I will fear no evil. Say it again. Say, I will fear no evil. Say it again. It's starting to feel really good. Say, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. I think one of the best prescriptions that if a person was going to receive a prescription to help get the fear out would be stop listening to so much news because 95% of it is negative, 95% of it is bad, and I know it's good to be aware of what's going on. We need to be informed, but I don't think we need three hours of it every day. That, that stuff can affect your spirit in a very, very negative way. Now, verse 4 continues, For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort 
me. The rod and the staff are the two implements that the shepherd carries with him all the time. Now the rod is short. It's only about this long. And a better description of the rod would be something uh, more like what we would call a modern day equivalent of a small club. And the shepherd would really just take that rod, almost like a baton, uh, and he would stick it uh, uh, in between his belt and his, and his clothes, and he would just carry it there. But it would be real short, and it, oftentimes it was carved out of, a, uh, out of a root, and the top end of it would be heavier, uh, and the bottom end would be uh, just perfectly carved and whittled down so that he can grab it with his hand, and it, it looks like a mini club. It's, it's kind of like a policeman's baton, but it's heavier on the end. But he still has that perfect grip where he can grab it and swing it, and, and also he can throw it uh, because it's not too heavy. And he would practice throwing it, and he would always keep that with him for means of defense, and uh, that was the rod. Now, the rod would represent the authority or type of punishment. The rod wasn't used to, uh, of course, punish the sheep. The rod was to uh, punish any uh, predator trying to take or hurt the sheep. Now, we have a, a, a neat verse in Ezekiel, verse 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 20, verse 37 in which the Lord says that, uh, basically speaking to Israel, his sheep, that they will pass beneath the rod. And it, it, as you read that scripture and you, st you study it, it appears to be a type of inspection. So they're passing beneath the shepherd's rod. Not to get whacked on the head, but as a form of passing underneath the authority of God and being, how can I say, scanned, so that God does a scan, God's checking you. Uh, it is a, uh, a type of an inspection in which the shepherd gives the sheep to see how he's doing, to make sure everything's okay, and you pass by the shepherd's rod. So that, that takes place, but the rod represents the authority of the shepherd. But the staff is very different. Uh, the staff represents the comfort and the care and the love of the shepherd. The staff, the best way to think of it and the picture in your mind, is pretty much just like a walking stick. You know, when I, my wife and I, uh, uh, last year we went to the Great Smoky Mountains there in Tennessee, and uh, we were going to do quite a bit of ha uh, hiking, so we wanted to get ourselves a good walking stick. And we already had a few older walking sticks, but we didn't really like them. They were too heavy. They are too bulky. So we got us each a brand new walking stick. And I tell you what, they're the best walking sticks we've ever had. And even today when I go for a walk, uh, if I take my dogs for a walk on the back roads, I will uh, take that walking stick uh, because it's just comfortable and it's very helpful when going up uh, steep inclines. But it's very light, but it's very, very strong. It's a very strong piece of wood. And that's, uh, that's the way the staff is. But the staff is more than just a walking stick. It also had a, a, a nook. Uh, like a like a curved end, so uh, the staff itself could be about eight feet tall, uh, but the top of it would be that classic shepherd's nook, and that would be uh, the staff in essence that uh, the shepherd could reach out and grab that sheep and gently pull it in, and he would use it for many many uh, different uh, methods. We'll talk about some of that here in just a little bit, but there was the rod. And there was the staff, the rod representing the authority and the staff representing the comfort. So the scripture says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They bring comfort. And the, the Lord's going to always take care of you. Uh, he knows how to use that rod 
Should the enemy try to harass you, should the enemy try to attack you, I'm telling you what, the Lord can set the devil down. And, and the Lord can put a shield and a hedge of protection, and he's not afraid to use the authority. Now, of course, in Christ, it's fascinating because Jesus has delegated his authority to the church. And you see that in the closing out of the Gospels, particularly uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28, that final chapter, in which he says, go you into all the world. Go you into all the world. So he is, he is telling them to go, and you can see very clearly he's delegating his authority to them. And then, and then in the Gospel of Mark, you know, he talks about how you shall uh, cast out demons, and you, you shall, uh, if you drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt you. And he's, you can see he's very clearly delegating his authority to them. So the authority of Christ has been delegated to the church, and so we co-share in that authority. But trust me, he is the one that's the source of it, and if he needs to exercise it also against the enemy who's troubling you or plotting against you, he can certainly do that. Now, we also have the staff, which brings comfort and protection and safety. And I've actually had the Lord appear before me in a vision one time, and he was dressed as a shepherd. And it was fascinating because he looked like he just came off the fields uh, of taking care of sheep. He had old shepherd's clothing on, and his head was completely covered. Uh, I, I could see his face. I could see his eyes and so forth, but everything else was covered, covered with old, worn shepherd's clothing. And he carried a staff with him, and it had that classic nook uh, at the top. It was, it was curved. Oh, uh, what a tremendous experience. And you can read about that experience in my book, Working with Angels. But the Lord is a very loving, very caring shepherd, and he knows all your needs. He knows all your concerns, and he loves uh, to meet those needs. And so that staff would be used in many different ways. If a if a, uh, a, a ewe lamb had given birth and there's the little baby lamb and it's just been born, but it's it's maybe laying the wrong way or maybe the, the mom's kind of like drifting you know, a little bit farther away from it than what she should. You know, the shepherd can take that that uh, staff and he'll he'll not touch the little lamb with his hands because he's just been born and he doesn't want to put his scent on the lamb. But he can take that staff and take that nook and gently put it around its neck and you'd slide it over a little bit, get it back over close to the mom or pull the mom back over. And uh, it's amazing things that he can do with the very gentle care uh he can pull those sheep back that are just always you know there's always a few sheep it seems like they'll try to go beyond the boundaries and you know he wants them to stay in the field you got a few that they try to wander off and find out where's the fence at are there any gaps in the fence and they seem to always want to go off well he can take that staff and just pull them back and say nope nope don't do that come back over here that that you don't know it but those are weeds over there and those weeds are poisonous if you eat that you're going to get sick so come over here and eat the good grass. So it's fascinating how he is constantly using the staff all day long, all day long. And he'll use it uh, at nighttime if necessary because he sleeps with one eye open. But he'll also use that rod if he needs to. He'll take out that club and he'll use it as well. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, in, in sheep country, and there, there are different states, even here in America, where it's more conducive to raise sheep. I, I talked to a guy just a couple of years ago. He had over 500 sheep 
uh, in Virginia. But there's other there's other states more out towards the west and the northwest, or excuse me, the Midwest area, where is very is very good uh, grounds for raising sheep. Sheep naturally uh, they're going to be going from one place to another place if they're free ranging. And they, they will be looking for good grass. They'll be looking for good water as the shepherd takes them around. And in ancient Palestine, this is the way it was. You can still see it uh, in, in uh, some of these large sheep places today where they're allowed the free roam. But they'll try to, the sheep will try to want to go higher and higher and higher. And the shepherd knows that. So what the shepherd will do, and this is the way it was in, uh, in ancient Palestine, the shepherd will lead them through the different seasons of the year. And when the weather gets nicer and nicer, he will take them higher and higher and higher. Now, a high uh, platform that's flat and that's good grazing ground in shepherd terminology and also here mentioned is actually called a table. Now we might call it a mesa, a, a, a mesa, M-E-S-A, or it's uh, like a high raised up uh, platform. That's where the sheep, they're wanting to get up and go up to that high land and eat. Well, the shepherd will take them up there. has to be very, very careful though because oftentimes there's enemies up there. And as they're taken up to this mesa, this high flat ground, which is called a table, uh, as they go up there, it's not unusual when you get to that high table, it's not unusual that you can look over in those uh, rock outcroppings that are higher over there and that other area is still connected to the same uh, chain of, of mountains or ridges and you can see the coyotes and you know exactly what they're up to they're plotting how can we get over there and they're thinking let's wait till nighttime and you you might see that puma or the cougars sometimes we call him and that that animal's thinking what can i do to um cause panic to cause fear to cause them to scatter so that i can pick one off and have a nice meal so this is what's fascinating you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I believe David's sitting on the, th on the throne, and he's reflecting back uh, to his early pastoral life of having been a shepherd himself. And he's thinking about all the plots and all the, the, the mutinies and all the insurrections that he has stood against and all of these things that has come against his life. And yet still, out of all of that, God has preserved him and has blessed him right in the presence of his enemies. I think it's I think it's fascinating. So, you know, the coyotes and, and all the other little critters that would like to get the sheep, they might be looking, but you know what? They're not worried. The shepherd is standing between them and those potential predators. And I believe it's the same way for us today. You know, the Lord knows that there are times and seasons when you need to be refreshed. And that's something fascinating about the enemy is that even the, the devil himself, he's not uh, omnipotent. He cannot be omnipresent. He gets tired, and so he has to take a break. Remember that when he had tried to uh, attack Jesus with uh, the experience in the wilderness after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and the, the temptations not only came at the end, at the end they came in a tremendous fury, but there were temptations going on throughout the entire 40 days, but the big mega attack came at the end at the Lord's weakest point, and the Lord withstood, and he overcame by the rhema word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it said the enemy left him for a season. Why? I, I'm telling you what. Uh, the devil didn't know what he ran into when he ran into the Lord. He's like, I've never, 
I've never ran into anybody like this before. So he had to take a break. The devil just wiped him out just about. He had to replan. He had to recoup, re, uh, reorganize his troops, rethink his strategy. So the thing is, is that he gets tired. But you know what? Even when you need the break, even if he's still going at it, you know what? The Lord will shield you. The Lord will protect you. And the Lord will do good things for you. The Lord will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You know what? You might be working a job and you're, you're, you're harassed. You're persecuted. You do a good job, but, but maybe they don't like you for whatever reason. You have to understand, even Jesus, there's a scripture in the Bible uh, referring to Jesus in the Old Testament, and it said, they hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. You think, why do they hate me? Well, they, they hated Jesus for no reason at all. <laughs> so if they hated Jesus, you had a few that did that to him. You'll probably have a few every now and then that might do that to you. And, you know, you can have a person like that that might be your boss. I've worked under a situation like that before where I just had a boss that was just absolutely unpleasable. No matter what you did, you couldn't please him. You couldn't put a smile on his face. Regardless, if, if, your, if your shift was 12 hours and you stayed 18 and worked six for free, you weren't going to make him happy. So... He, he was impossible to please, and he was cruel, and he was mean. And, and you know what? The Lord had me there. But you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord turns to tables. And I wouldn't be surprised if God does something for you where you're going to end up making more than him. The, the Lord might even give you his job. Or the Lord might move you to another job, and now you're making more than him, and now you're in a pleasant environment, and he's still stuck over in his yucky spot. But see, the Lord can bless you. The Lord can bless you. See, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the Lord on purpose will allow them to find out how you got blessed. The Lord on purpose will allow them to hear and see that, oh, you got that promotion. Or that although they tried to do you wrong and tried to stomp on you, tried to keep you down, they'll, they'll see that it didn't work. It's fascinating. God has a way of showing off his people. Now, one of the great uh, qualities and characteristics about the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I both love so much is that of meekness and humility. But don't mistake also there's something about the Lord that he gets the last laugh. There's something about the Lord that what you sow, you're going to reap. And if, it, and if it's good, he's going to make sure your blessing comes and can't nobody hold that back. When the Lord opens a door, nobody can close it. And when the Lord closes a door, you can't get it open no matter how many pry bars you pull out or, or what you try to do. There's something fascinating about the Lord that if he's going to lift you up and bless you, he's going to do it. And he can just endorse you and bless you and certify you publicly. And sometimes he'll do it right in front of your enemies. Woo! I had the Lord bless me one time in front of some people that took advantage of me. And they knew they took advantage of me, and they, they never apologized. They, uh, they just thought, well, who cares? We can get away with it. We're just going to go ahead and do it. And, but you know what? It hurt my heart in the sense where, like, it made me sad. that the, I, you know, I, I trusted them. I thought they were my friends, and they did that. But the Lord saw the whole thing. And the Lord, on purpose, not that, look, you can't set stuff up like this. But on purpose, the Lord blessed me. And in a most amazing way that they all would have loved have happened to them. The Lord blessed me in such an amazing way. And guess what? He did it right in front of them. I couldn't have set it up. The timing for it to work had to be just 
absolutely uh, specific. Uh, the, the way for it to all to come together where they all happened to be there when it uh, unfolded. Uh, only God could do things like that. But he blessed me in a tremendous measure right in front of all of them. And you know what? While it was happening, I said, Lord, this is just, I said, Lord, it's like, this is like embarrassing. I didn't say it out loud. I'm thinking that because they're all watching, uh, kind of like in a sense, having to eat it. And I, I said, Lord, this is like embarrassing. The Lord said, just enjoy it. He said, I want them to see it. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor Stephen, the Lord's not like that. You'll find out. He's very meek. He's very humble. But don't touch his anointing. Don't touch his authority. Don't, uh, don't any, any work that's, that's of God, that God's blessing, don't ever do anything to detract or, or to take away from that. If you do. God doesn't like things like that. So God can bless you right in front of even your enemies. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm. You know, it's sad. It's not always the case. But in, in, some, in some arenas, there can be a lot of jealousy in ministry. Ministers get jealous of other ministers, and they, uh, they don't like it that maybe your, your ministry is moving forward or for whatever reason, and, and there's animosity, and, uh, and so, but you know, you always, uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about because this happens in any career field. You, you could be at work, and all you want to do is move, move the corporation further uh, ahead. You want the company to make money. You're trying to do the best you can. You're not trying to outshine anybody. You're just trying to do the best you can, but all oh, you you find out that people get jealous and uh, that they don't like it, that you're leading in sales or whatever the case might be. And, ooh, the jealousy. who the jealousy. But you know what? All, all you have to do is just keep your eyes on the Lord. You can't please everybody. Just walk in the love of Christ. Walk in the love of God. And keep moving forward. And should the Lord decide to do something like that, as what we're seeing in verse 5, don't be surprised about it because he does do things like that. Just receive it. Thank God for it. And keep on going. Keep on praising him. And, of course, we walk in perpetual forgiveness and love towards those, even those who would do us wrong. Praise God. Now, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thank you, Jesus. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. We have natural... Uh, References here. We also have spiritual parallels here. Let's talk about the natural just for a moment. One of the sheep's worst enemies would be the nose fly. The beautiful little sheep with their soft, wet noses. The nose fly is trying to land on the wet nose of the sheep. It endeavors to lay its eggs. The eggs then preferably hatch. They turn into small worms. And those small worms begin to slowly work their way up the sheep's nasal passage. They continue to climb up through the nasal passage. And the, these worms continue to get larger in size. And then they develop in the head. The soft fleshly interior on the inside of the head. And they begin to irritate and literally drive the sheep crazy. There's irritation. There's inflammation when this happens and those worms have gotten up in there. Oftentimes the sheep will bang their heads on, on racks or on posts. They'll bang their heads on rocks. Uh, they'll rub their head in the dirt. They'll thrash and move around in tremendous discomfort. And some sheep will even kill themselves out of misery and torment 
from these worms that have worked their way up into their minds, into their brains. So the sheep can even get nervous when they see these flies. If these flies show up, all the sheep start getting uh, frantic and they start getting upset. Some of the sheep can just run around for hours and hours uh, in torment because of the flies until they eventually will collapse because of utter exhaustion. They can't even stand up any longer. It's very sad. Other sheep will uh, continually move their heads up and down, up and down, trying to escape the flies, just moving their head up and down, up and down, up and down. You know what's so sad? Can you imagine a shepherd just standing there watching it, not caring? Oh, so sad, so sad that shepherds don't care sincerely and genuinely about their sheep. But these sheep can be tormented by these flies. But there's an ancient cure that the shepherds of Palestine, of ancient Israel, would take. And it would be a mixture of olive oil and sulfur. Get that sulfur real thick. And I know it doesn't smell good, but you need it. So uh, olive oil and sulfur and a, a, a mix of spices and preferably, if they could find a little bit, maybe down from the, uh, uh, the southern area, down by the uh, Dead Sea, some bitumen or tar, thin uh, layers of tar, like in its oil form. And you mix this together, olive oil and sulfur and spices and tar, and you smear it all over the sheep's head. See, you anoint my head with oil, the primary ingredient would be the olive oil, but it's got mixed in and all that sulfur, all those spices and, and some and some thin uh, oil. And ooh, oh, the sheep, they get so happy that many times the moment that it's been uh, just doused real thick on their head, they'll just sit down and they'll just get so relaxed and calm. That's because their head has been anointed with oil. Now, one of the, the other enemies of the sheep would be what was called a, a parasite that would develop what was known as the scab. And this was caused by a parasite that gets primarily on the sheep's head. And because sheep, as we mentioned earlier, they're very social animals. They're always rubbing each other. And they'll take their heads and they'll rub their head on the other sheep's head. And that actually is the primary way that the scab disease is spread. And so in order to prevent the scab disease... What the ancient shepherds would do, and, and still they have to do things like this today. You can't let it go, or they'll get sick and they'll die. So what they did is they gave what was called a sheep dip. And this would be another mixture of olive oil and more sulfur and a lot of these spices. And these spices are very powerful, uh, germ-busting, disease-killing type spices. And that they would try to mix also a little of that oil in there, like tar oil. That way it sticks. Woo, hallelujah. And they would just douse those sheep. I mean, get them all the way into, take them in to the sheep dip. Lead them right into the sheep dip so they get completely saturated with it. And many times, because it was very important to get the head covered to keep the scab from spreading, they, uh, the shepherds with their own hands would just use their hands to push the sheep under and make sure with their own hands that their head especially was covered very, very well with it so that the scab disease cannot spread. They, they cannot, cannot get it. It exterminates it. And also all these crazy little parasites cannot take a hold of them because they've got all of these, um, all, all of these spices and all these herbs mixed in. 
and also you have the the nose fly being driven away because of this thick coating this thick coating so there is the sheep dip and there is the anointing of the head of the sheep so you anoint my head with oil now oil from a spiritual perspective has always symbolized the holy spirit Woo, glory to God. You can see where I'm going. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to have these sheep dips where you just get just immersed in the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Stephen, are you talking about tongues? Well, not necessarily, but if you get baptized in the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Tongues is the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, glory to God. Glory to God. You know, you, you stop and you think about the early apostles. You think about Acts chapter 2 and them being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speaking in other tongues. What they heard when they heard them speaking, that was the evidence that they had been filled. Could you actually see the Holy Spirit come down and fill somebody? You, you couldn't see that unless you uh, were allowed to see it in a vision form. But outside of that, you can't see that. So, well, how do you know? You know because of the evidence. What's the evidence? Tongues. Speaking in tongues has always been the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we need these sheep dips. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? You need to let that flow out of you. You need to get filled up. Let that fresh oil flow and let all of these... Uh, 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 pure antibodies and antibiotics and all of this stuff that's mixed in with this sheep dip, with this Holy Spirit concoction, just let it get all over you. Woo! Let it kill all the junk and all the filth of the world that would try to attach itself to you so that you just say it's dirty, it's unclean. I don't want it. Hallelujah. I've got the sheep dip all over me. I've been coated with the oil of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Because I've got a good shepherd who takes care of me. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad that your shepherd, the Lord Jesus, uh, takes extra precautions to get rid of the flies, the stinging gnats, these awful parasites that would cause worms to form and uh, and come into your body. Aren't you so glad that Jesus takes care of you because he wants you clean? See, in, in the book of Ephesians, Paul talked about the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, being presented to Christ at his coming without having spot or wrinkle. Woo! Glory to God. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you all know that uh, we've all got our little secret things that we do. You know, uh, we all have to have our little things on the side to make the flesh happy. No, that's, that's not normal. That's not the Bible. That's not God's will for you. You can live free. You don't have to have a little something tucked over there uh, to help you uh, kind of feel better when things are going bad, whatever that thing might be. There's a million different uh, uh, forms of paraphernalia that the devil's happy to supply. You don't need any of that. Oh, no, hallelujah. You want to be clean so that when you stand before the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit has prepared you through the sheep dipping. You stand before the Lord not having spot or wrinkle. Glory to God. That is God's will, my friends, for your life. Say, may it be done. 
praise God. I, I know the Lord's working. I, I, some of you are getting dipped right now <laughs> in that Holy Spirit concoction. And just let God roll you all around in it uh, so, so you become impervious to the uh, awful, biting, stinging things of the world. See, God anoints your head with oil. Now, David said, my cup runs over. God will never give you just enough. He'll always give you extra. He'll give you the extra because he's good. You're, it's, it's more than enough. It's a happy supply. Praise God. Because he wants you to be a blessing. And it's not just about you or me. It's about us extending the blessing outwards. Okay? More than enough joy. Right? More than enough peace. So you can calm those who are stressed out. More than enough joy so you can lift those who are depressed. More than enough anointing so that you can pray for others who are sick. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus, today. More than enough finances just for your basic needs so that you can have the ability to give. Your cup runs over. Now, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. What are we looking at right here? Goodness and mercy following? What are we actually looking at? You're looking at the result of good shepherding. When you see good children, you're looking at the results of good parenting. If you just let your kids run wild and you never correct them, you never initiate forms of proper discipline, uh, they, can, they can grow up and be lacking in many, many areas of your life, whether it's respect, whether it's uh, obedience to laws, whether it's this or that or the other. You have to have hands-on. That, and that's what you're seeing here. When you see the goodness and mercy showing up, you're really seeing the result of good shepherding. You need to let the Lord have his way with you. You know what? Anytime you go into this word to receive your daily bread, the scripture says that the word of God is good for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for teaching. But I'm telling you, sometimes I read this book and it just brings flat out correction. And it says, you didn't handle that situation right. You didn't speak right uh, concerning that. And I tell you what, you have to be open to those things. And when you're open to that, uh, to, the, to allowing the word to work, when you're open to allowing the good shepherd to come in and shepherd you, I'm telling you exactly what's going to be coming along, goodness and mercy in your life. That is a direct result of having a good shepherd, a uh, good shepherd, uh, be very uh, pastorally active in your life and you receiving uh, the works that he is implementing in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, the manure from the sheep is very, very productive. It's very rich in nitrogen and many other benefits that are good for the soil. And you can have, you can have ranch land that might look worthless and the land might even look burned out. And if you begin to put sheep on there that are properly taken care of and properly maintained, they will begin to go to work on that land and they will make it productive and they will make it beautiful. The sheep, they can eat weeds. They can eat um, these little bad plants that they're not productive for anything. So the sheep, they can eat them. They're not going to grow up to be anything that's beneficial, like a fruit tree or anything. So they can eat. That they go, they have a, like a, a draw to eat the things that are not necessary and that are not good, such as weeds, briars, brambles, all that type of stuff. They'll eat it all up. And what they'll do, because they like to go from the low levels to the high levels, they they, they will spread that fertilizer everywhere they go, and they make everywhere they go beneficial. So well maintained sheep. Under the authority and under the care of a good shepherd, you will see that those sheep are very, very productive. And everywhere they go, they make it better. They make 
things better. They contribute to society. They also have their, their wool. They, their, their use and their purpose goes on and on and on. Of course, they're not just cuddly and pretty and fun to hold, right? They're very, very productive. God created them to be like that. And so that product, that productivity is the goodness and the mercy that follows them. And I believe that we should contribute. I don't believe that we should be like leeches where all we're doing is just grabbing, 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 uh, ingesting, ingesting, but that we're never giving out. I believe we should be uh, overflowing with the goodness of God and that those attributes of Christ, of goodness and mercy, go with us. And yes, I believe these are also uh, uh, countless, numerous numbers of angels in in this category of angels of, of goodness and angels of mercy that can follow along with us. But my friends, this primarily in context is a result of good shepherding. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Let the good shepherd have his work in your life. When you yield to him, you'll also see the angels of God that come and live all around you. You know, the angels love to be around men and women and children of God who love Lord, who love the Lord, who reverence the word of God, who praise God openly who sing to the Lord, uh, uh, that they just absolutely love to be around people who are walking after God. Ooh, hallelujah. And I'm, I'm talking more than just one. You have more than one angel. You can have many, many angels gather around you. Praise the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. You know what? We're only passing through this life. Life is very short. Our life is, as, as James said, it's just like a vapor. It's like a mist. We're here for a while, and then we're gone. We need to make our lives count. We need to let the Lord do his work and develop us the way that he wants us to be developed. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord for all eternity. Eternity is a long time. What we have done here is a developing time, a nurturing time, a growing time, so that we come into the matureness of the fullness of a man or woman in Christ. We don't want to be in spiritual diapers. We want to be walking with the Lord, growing up, maturing in the Lord, and uh, bringing others into the things of God and seeing them discipled also, seeing them discipled into maturity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're going to make it all the way. You're going to finish strong. You're going to finish this life in victory. You're going to finish this life on top in Christ. Hallelujah. And I speak over your life today that the Lord Jesus Christ has a tremendous plan for your life. Yield to his shepherding. Yield to the work of that he endeavors to do to your life. You know what's fascinating about sheep is that, and, and you know, we're, we're all like sheep. Sheep can just uh, sometimes do things that don't make any sense. They can make bad choices. They can get themselves into trouble. They can, they can go off and uh, wander away and, uh, and uh, need help getting back because they can't even find the way to get back. And they just need constant care. They need constant care. They need constant care. Pastor Stephen, what does it mean? It means we need to stay close to the Lord. 
We need to be walking close with the Lord every single day because if we don't, there is something that just is the pull of the world. It's, it's, the, it's the world. It's the flesh. It's the devil. We have these things that will just, if you don't watch it, there is a tendency to drift. So stay close to the master. Stay close to the Lord. And you're going to dwell with the Lord in the kingdom of God forever. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are watching today. I rejoice with them that the Lord God is our shepherd, that you are Jehovah Roe. And, oh, God, we worship you. Now, right where you're sitting, lift up your hands. I want you to begin to worship Jehovah Roe. Lord, I thank you. If there's any person who's wandered away, let them come back to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them confess their sins. I thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive them their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for wholeness. I thank you for peace. I thank you for happy sheep dips. Glory. See, some of you are getting real happy because you're getting that, that, that dip in the Holy Spirit. And it always makes you happy, kind of rolling around in now that uh, wonderful spiritual concoction. Glory to God. Let the Holy Spirit uh, have fun with you today. So, Father, we thank you. We rejoice in you today. I bless your people. And I thank you, O oh God, for your goodness. And I thank you that goodness and mercy shall follow your people all the days of their life. And they shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next week, back in the house of the Lord, back in the Word of God. Till then, be blessed. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.